20 years ago. Cal, you wake up an hour before sunrise with the other boys and girls of the rundown Morningstar Orphanage. You're home for as long as you can remember. Quickly, you get out of your cot and get dressed in your uniform before standing ready for morning inspection. Mr. Purdy enters the small quarters you share with the other boys and girls. Get in line now, maggots. It's time to earn your keep. His bullwhip cracks against the girl's skin who failed to get ready in time. A now common occurrence now that Mr. Purdy took control of the orphanage. For the last year, all studies have been suspended, and each child is expected to complete a full day's work to earn their keep. You've watched many of your friends either run away or meet their ends under the new headmaster. Work orders are assigned after a quick breakfast, and lucky for you, you receive your favorite assignment, fishing. An important job used to keep the children fed. More than once you've come back as a hero due to your large haul. Aside from the actual fishing, this is one of the only jobs at the orphanage that gives you some time alone, time that you use to read, one of your other favorite activities that's now banned at the orphanage. As you leave to head to the pond, Mr. Purdy alerts you that today you will be joined by Catherine, the newest orphan and the girl who got whipped this morning. Show her the ropes, boy, and show her good or you'll both get a beating. You leave the orphanage with Catherine behind and head towards the pond. Well, hi, Catherine. Hello. How's your leg where he hit you? It hurts a lot. Yeah, he's gotten me a few times. He's gotten all of us. He's pretty awful. Why Why is he whipping us? Well, I guess he's just mean on the inside. I thought this was a nice place to be. I mean, not nice, you know, but like, I thought it was supposed to be nicer than this. Well, I don't think it's going to get much nicer any sooner. Why does somebody allow this? Because they're grown-ups. Yeah, I guess that answers a lot of the questions. Well, anyways, what do, what do we do? I've never actually fished before. Oh, that's all right. This is the best job that you can get, I assure you. Why? Because it's quiet. Oh. And nobody comes around. Nobody messes with you. I like that. I, I like, know. This, I like this it is quiet. the best one. I, I don't know how long I can stay here. Well... Hopefully some family will come in and see you and scoop you right up. Hopefully. I don't know any of them, though. Well, here, let's, let me show you how to tie the line. All right. And you spend a significant portion of the day fishing, and you catch a good haul. As the sun beats down on the afternoon, you find a nice shady tree. What book did you bring with you today? A thesaurus. A thesaurus. <laughs> Catherine... Looks at you perplexed. Uh, what do you got there? Uh, it's the only book that I could find. It's it's a thesaurus. It's just, it shows you words that you already know, and it shows you fancier ways of saying them. That sounds kind of weird. Like, weird, peculiar, strange, outlandish. Wow, that's pretty impressive. See? Impressive. Impressive. Um, I haven't gotten to the eyes yet. Oh, can... You show me more? Yeah. Are there other books out there? I've only found the one. Oh. That sucks. I used to have one, but it got taken away. It was about it was about these these men who had the their pistols and they were changing the way that the laws were made because they were stronger than everybody else. And it was they had they had long coats and they were the good guys, but they, they were tough. 
Hmm. I wish I was tough. I'm going to be tough someday. I bet you will. I bet you will. I don't know about that. I'm just a girl. Girls can be tough. I guess. The two of you spend the afternoon giggling and reading different words and learning their different synonyms until suddenly you hear a voice that typically doesn't come by the pond and Mr. Purdy stomps your way. What in the hell are you two doing? Is that a fucking book? I told you no reading. And he pulls out his bullwhip. I jump in the... I, I, I take the beating. You take the beating? Yeah. Well, can I try and hide the book? No, you, he already saw it. He, already he, saw. he saw the book. Yeah. He whips you. I'll make it, yeah, so she, so she doesn't get hit. He doesn't stop at hitting you. He hits oh. her as well. And as he begins to whip the two of you, Catherine collapses onto the ground from the pain. I go, stop, stop. You've heard her. You've heard her. She's she's on the ground. Stop. He hits her again with the bullwhip. I'm going to fight him. Okay. Stop hitting her. And I jump on him and I try and take the bullwhip right out of his hand like a crazed child. Like a crazed child. Give me a strength roll. What's that, d20? It would be a d20, yes. Eight. On an eight, maybe it's your childlike agility or the unexpected reaction that Mr. Purdy got from you. Pocket sand. Pocket sand, perhaps. You're able to get the whip from his hand. What do you do with the whip? Throw it into the fish pond. Once you throw Mr. Purdy's whip into the fish pond, he becomes irate. That was my best whip. Boy, I'm going to give you a beating. And he punches you across the face. Ow! How do I feel? Do I collapse? I mean, he's a pretty big guy. And I'm um, a kid. And you're a kid, so a six-year-old kid. So, yeah, you get knocked down pretty well. But as he advances towards you, he lets out a shriek in pain. And you see Catherine stab him in the leg with a fish hook. Run, Cal! Get out of here! Not without you. I run up and I punch him in the face as hard as I can. Give me a D4 for an unarmed attack. That would be a one. A one. Your childhood strength doesn't really make too much of an impact on Mr. Purdy. And Mr. Purdy grabs you by the shoulders and backhands you again before turning and kicking Catherine. I throw dirt in his eyes. I grab Catherine and I run. Okay. So with him distracted and when he turns around, you throw some dirt into his eyes. Extra pocket sand. Extra pocket sand you throw into his eyes, causing him a momentary blindness. Grabbing Catherine's hand, the two of you run into the woods as fast as your little legs can carry you. Four years pass, and you've been living as a street urchin ever since leaving the orphanage. You and Catherine parted ways shortly after you escaped. You've been living under porches in old wagons and the like, surviving on the generosity, both voluntarily and involuntary, of others, as well as the occasional fish or rodent that you can catch. However, on this day, a wagon unlike any other you've ever seen pulls into town. It reads, Dr. Paul's brain elixir on the side. The wagon is pulled by two disfigured horses and is being driven by a slender man in a nice suit that looks worn, but only from travel. The man's cart draws attention from all he passes as he rumbles through the town. The man may provide some monetary opportunities for you and you move to act quickly. As the man climbs down from his seat on the wagon, he announces to the crowd, a magnificent demonstration will commence in 20 minutes. Then he heads into the tavern, leaving his cart unattended. 
I would probably try and go over and see if I could sneak one of those little brain elixir vials. All right. Give me a dexterity roll, please. Seven. Ooh, that's a good roll. You managed to get one bottle out and sneak it into your pocket. Do you go for another? Yeah. Okay. Give me another roll. Natural 20. Natural 20 is always a failure. In this game is a bad failure. Bad failure. You fumble, reaching for a second bottle, and knock an entire crate onto the ground, smashing it, drawing attention from everyone, (laughs) but especially from Dr. Paul, who rushes out to his cart, grabbing you by the hand. What are you doing, boy? I, I, I was just I, I was just walking by, and all of a sudden, uh, they started all fall. I tried to catch them. I wasn't fast enough. What What is that in your pocket? Uh, n- n- nothing. He reaches in, pulling the vial from his pocket. You were stealing from me, boy. It must, have fell, it must have fell in there when all of them fell. When all of them fell, you think you tell me this fell right in your pocket? Boy, you're making doctor They were Paul. falling all over the place. You a liar, boy, but I tell you what. I ain't never been to this town. How many big words do you know? Well, I, I know a lot of big words. Say something fancy. Uh, I, I am inclined to parlay with you further about you not calling the proper authorities post-tense. That'll do. All right, boy, come with me. Dr. Paul leads you down an alley. All right, here's what we're going to do. When I give my presentation, here's what you're going to do. You're going to sit in that crowd, right? And when I call on you, you act stupid and you act dumb. Okay. All right? And then you drink some of my brain elixir and start using some of them bigger words. I see. All right? And so you do that. You do that well. I might give you a little cut of what I make today. Okay. Yeah? Savvy. All right. All right. Now let me get my stage voice on. Welcome, 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 Dr. Paul Miracle Elixir. Yeah, that'll do, that'll do just fine. All right, all right. Come back in ten minutes, you know, filter in with the crowd. Don't let them see that you were with me. And get the hell out of here, boy. You you got it, Dr. Paul. Okay. Minutes later, Dr. Paul comes back out after cleaning up the mess behind the back of his wagon and begins to draw crowds to give his demonstration gather round come one come all come and see the magical dr paul's brain boosting elixir in action as he pumps up the crowd and they begin to gather around he has his wares out on a small table in front of him this elixir will strengthen any man's mind make him smarter than the smartest politician a librarian a historian it takes a man from a bumbling moron to a genius it can even take a small boy from his detrimental IQ to a full-blown gentleman in fact do we have any in the crowd any 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 you boy you boy huh oh yeah you how you are a dumb one aren't you hi there hi there come up here come up here and he beckons you forward well hi dr paul hello boy you look like a really earthy kind of Run down, uneducated sort. We we never had much book learning uh, on the farm. We can tell. We can tell. Can't we tell that people and all the crowd, you know, kind of mumbles and uh, you know, in agreement. And even the ones that know you haven't really had too many conversations with you. Well, boy, would you like to increase your brain capacity? 
Well, I guess can't hurt. What if I told you that this elixir could help take you off the streets, lift you up by your bootstraps, and send you down the course of a fine gentleman, somebody with a job and with a future? I reckon that sounds right fine. All right, well, all it takes is one of these bottles of Dr. Paul's brain-boosting elixir. And he unscrews the bottle and hands it to you. Now drink it all, boy. (laughs) Tasty and magnificent. Boy, how do you feel now? Well, I don't feel much. Wait a minute. I feel it. See, it's working. It's working, folks. Look at it work in action. I can feel it coursing its way through my cerebellum into the gray matter of of my inner cortex. Look at these large words. Many of you, I'm sure, don't even know these words. It it feels like it's it's totally rejuvenated every neuron and and synapse in my mind. He's learning so quick. He's having a hard time keeping up with his thoughts. I feel more alert, and everything just shines a little brighter now. And that's just on one bottle, folks. One bottle. Everyone, everyone, make your way up here. My word, what a fantastic elixir. That one's on me, my friend. Now you go and live a fruitful and eventful life. Thank you, Dr. Paul. Anytime. And Dr. Paul sells out of the rest of his elixirs. And later on, he finds you once again. In the alley that you and him had conversed in before. Well, boy, that worked out mighty fine. Thank you. You're pretty eloquent with them words. That worked out pretty well. I sold out. I used to read a lot. I can tell. You know, I, I could share some of the profits with you, but I got a better bargain for you. Better than money? What if I said lots of money? But that's better than money. Keep you clothed, keep you fed, and you can help by helping me sell my elixirs from town to town. And, you know, perhaps on, when we're on the road, you look like you're probably one that might be able to scrounge up a fish or, you know, maybe get some game here and there. You can keep us fed while we're on the road. I'll let you stay in the, in the, in the wagon and uh, we'll travel around and make a, make a bunch of money. I've always been good at hunting and fishing. Well, all right then. Do we have ourselves a deal? I believe we have an, we have an accord, sir. Dr. Paul reaches out his hand to shake yours. I clap hands. Hold on. Shall we spit in our hands? <laughs> He spits in his, and it's a disgusting yellow. <laughs> Put her there, pal. Partner. Partner. Twelve years goes by, and you find yourself standing over the burial mound of Dr. Paul, who has been your constant friend and partner in crime. With inexplicable relationships everywhere you traveled together, Dr. Paul managed to keep the two of you dressed well and outfitted properly, even once securing your rifle so that you could hunt more efficiently to keep the two of you fed while you were on the road. But even as such, Dr. Paul always kept you at an arm's length, never letting you get too close. Now, once again on your own, you take Dr. Paul's wagon to the nearby town of Riptide, selling it and one of the horses for some much-needed provisions. As you search the town, you overhear a crowd. Sounds like a posse's forming. That man isn't safe. It's a beast. He ain't my cattle. He has to die. The crowd roars as you approach a man catches sight of your rifle. Hey! We need you to help. You can take care of this. What, what seems to be the, fr- the fracas here? There's a man who's a monster that needs taken out. Some say he's a man. Others say he's a wolf. Well, I've never hunted monster before. Well, have you hunted a wolf? I have hunted wolves. Have you hunted a man? 
I have hunted a man. Well, then you've hunted a man and a wolf. How much different can it be? It probably couldn't be much worse than either of them. It couldn't be much worse than either of them. So, are you all man? It pays mighty fine. I'll take the job. Excellent. Excellent. And the townsfolk give you kind of all the information that they have, sending you into a forest nearby. What a fantastic opportunity. I just sold my wares, and now I have a new job on the spot. It sounds like it's going to be a fortuitous day for you. You bring us the head of that man monster beast and uh, we will treat you right. You'll be a hero. His, his head you shall have. You head off on your horse into the local woods with your rifle. Uneasy about what you're actually hunting. Not sure. Is it a man? Is it a beast? Is it a mix between the two? You have an idea, but still you're not sure what it is that you're looking for. The situation keeps your nerves on edge. And suddenly you hear a growl. In a flash, the horse is taken out from underneath you. A beast, large, hairy, and snarling, stands over the horse's corpse, biting it in the neck, ripping out a chunk of flesh, before darting back into the woods. Fucking big wolf. As you sit there on the ground with your rifle, you hear the snarling beast coming back your way. You see that it's bipedal, and it's moving its way ever closer to you. Its red eyes flare in the afternoon sun. And it snarls as it runs towards you. A fire shot. Give me two D6, please. Seven total. A grazing shot. Please roll a D4 for me. Four. A good shot grazes its shoulder. However, the beast doesn't slow and it closes the gap between you and it in a moment. And suddenly it's on you. It rakes at you with its claws. <sighs> diminishing your grit. And as it attacks, you hear a gunshot ring out, loud, seemingly just feet away from you, that drives the beast back. Standing over you is a large man holding a six-shooter. Smoke pours from the barrel, and you watch the werewolf get driven back several feet. Suddenly, you hear the voices of several other people surrounding you as well. Two women, one with a scattergun and one with a repeater, burst into sight. Betty Bob and Jesse Jane, please make me some shot rolls at the werewolf. Five? I have six. Five and sixes are both hits with the two of you. Please roll me your damage. Seven. Two. Both of you hit the beast with excellent shots. And as the two of you continue to shoot, Bad Bill Hate stands over top of you, Cal, now aiming a six-shooter directly at your face. Did you get bit, boy? I do not believe so. I believe the, the, the beast merely mauled me with its claws. Sure? Positive. Get any of its saliva on you at all? Any of your wounds? Nope, just just, just the piss in my pants, that's my own. Well, that I can smell. <laughs> Get up on your feet, finally, boy. I, I was gonna, I would have had him. I'm sure you would have. Anyways, we gotta get them wounds tended to. And Bill pulls you to your feet. And... Brings you back towards his horse. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. What? I uh, see you had a mount. Snatched it right out from under me, he did. Yeah, you gotta watch out for them. As you hear a few more shots, and then the wicked cry of a fallen beast, Betty Bob and Jesse Jane turn to their horses that are with Bad Bills, and you meet these two for the first time. What's your name, boy? The name's Cal McRae. Cal, 
is kind of a fool's errand to come out here hunting a werewolf with a sniper rifle. You know that, right? I had not a clue. The people that hired me to do this job thought it was merely a beast. I was soon proven wrong. Well, it is a beast. I mean, it is a beast, but that is kind of stupid. I mean, a sniper rifle? Yeah, what a weird choice. Also, did you get bit? I did not get bit. No. This is a fine rifle. He didn't get bit, but his horse got taken out. Oh, that's the worst. Boy, we're going to ride you back to town, drop you off. You get them wounds taken care of. Make sure you don't turn. If you do turn, put that rifle in your mouth and, you know, take care of it. Don't leave that up to others. <laughs> Not like this coward. He's got disadvantage on close, <laughs> close shots. He can't make it. Yeah, he might roll <laughs> roll bad to blow his own brains out, but, you know. Either way, that's noted. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's see. Betty Bob, you got the bigger horse. Why don't you let him saddle up there with you? All right. And the four of you ride back to town, where Bill just asks you to get off your horse. Kind of the end of the road here, boy. We're just passing through, so why don't you uh, head down to the doctor, get that shit looked at, and, you know, best luck to you. I think I'll be fine. I mean, this, this is merely a flesh wound. I can tend to it myself. I'll, your troop looks quite colorful. Uh, I was wondering if I could uh, perhaps tag along, enlist my services to you. Since I do owe you my life, maybe there will be a chance I can repay said debt. Betty Bob, I think you like riding on that horse too much with you. I mean, I, I did try to make it a little extra bumpy for him. <laughs> God damn that it, Betty it. Bob. <laughs> well, never sat on the on you know with the lady behind me on the horse. That was that was a new one for me. <laughs> well, tell you what, you got any money on you? I got a couple of dollars. You probably got to get yourself another horse. I ain't going to have some young gun riding on the back of one of these two ladies' horses. And Katie ain't here right now. She'd keep him in line. So you go buy yourself another horse. I'm going to converse with uh, these two here and see what they think. Yeah, I'll grab a fresh mount. All right, head on in. Off I go. As you head into town, Bill consults Jesse and Betty. So uh, what you all think? I mean, we have been trying to fill out the gang a little bit more and he seems all right as long as he doesn't turn i mean that is something to worry about yeah you should tell him he should get something other than a sniper rifle probably not a bad idea it's a very specific weapon does have only you know a few applications but may you know maybe he's better with it in other circumstances he said he didn't know what he was riding in on kind of dumb but nah He's just young, you know. He'll learn. All right. We let him join? I mean, why not? Or should we just ride away? That would be kind of mean. Yeah. We did make him buy a horse. I mean, man needs a horse. Well, he does need a horse, but you specifically told him to. I mean, what he does with his own money is his own thing, so I don't know. He ain't got to buy the horse. I feel like it would be a good addition to the group. I mean, to have someone have a lookout for us and, you know... He seems like he's capable of carrying heavy things. He's a big guy, so... Yeah, he is. be nice to take some of these large loads off my back. Hmm. There are lots of loads on your back. Yeah, carry a heavy weight. Thanks, Betty. You're always so eloquent. Um, anyways, he, he does talk very nicely, though. Yeah, I don't understand what he's saying. What language is that? I don't know, asshole. Yeah. All right, let's go, let's go get him. We, we can join the order. 
And Cal, as you're buying your horse, Bad Bill Hate rides up on his. All right, boy, you do the deed. Yeah, I got I got this nice, pretty, dappled one here. Her name's Athena. Mighty fine horse name. You uh got any other effects you got to get out of here? All ready to go. All right, well, we ain't staying in this asshole of a town, so let's head on out, boy. Also, don't hit on my girls. Wouldn't dream of it, sir. All right, that's what I like to hear. We are now we are now colleagues, and 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 there, there's no room for romance. I know it's hard, but you know, hard but yes, yes. All right, pleased to have you aboard, Cal. And he reaches out his hand. Let's shake okay. his hand. And with that, the four of you leave the town of Riptide with Cal in the order. Tales from the Crypt podcast is recorded in the Wolfbeard Games studio in upstate New York. If you've enjoyed hanging out with us, please subscribe on whichever platform you listen to. If you really like us, also leave us a review. It's very helpful. If you want to follow us more, you can find us on Instagram, at Tales from the Crypt podcast. We've enjoyed our time with you today, and we look forward to seeing you next time at Tales from the Crypt.